I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. Today's thought from above is this. The answer is Jesus. If you missed the pod episode or this is your first time listening, this is a podcast for what we call Mind Discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above. That's where the name of the podcast comes from, from Colossians 3, 1 and 2, where Paul encourages us to set our minds on things above. Setting our minds on good, beautiful, and true thoughts, on uplifting, encouraging, life-giving, biblically-based thoughts from above is not easy. And that is why we do this podcast, to provide for you in each episode a thought from above that you can dwell upon so that your heart will be warmed and you will become an epiphany of grace. There are two fundamental kind of questions that I know I wrestle with, have wrestled with throughout my life as a Christian, and I hear from a lot of other people, my students, other people that I work with, and the questions are these. Number one, does God really love me? And number two, what is God really like? To the first question, does God really love me, part of the challenge is, can God love me if God knows everything about me. I mean, if God knows all the things that I have done, how can he possibly love me? That's a part of why the the question is challenging, because we know the depths of our own depravity. We know the things that we have done. So we assume God, who's omniscient and knows all things, if God knows them, how could God possibly love me? And the second question, what is God really like? Well, that's a very challenging question and one I've talked about a lot on this podcast because there are a wide array of views of the character of God, narratives about God, I might say, even amongst Christians. Some think that God's an angry judge who wants to get us. Others think God is kind of a cosmic teddy bear, grandfather in the sky, doesn't really care too much, tolerant, kind of meek and weak. And then all over the spectrum, what is God like? So these two questions are very deep and very profound, but the answer to both questions is the same. Jesus. It kind of reminds me of the old joke about the little boy in Sunday school. The teacher asked the kids, so what is brown and furry, has a bushy tail, lives in trees, and likes to collect nuts? And the little boy raises his hand and says, sounds like a squirrel, but I'm going to say Jesus, because it's always Jesus in this class. And there's some truth to that. In one sense, you could say the answer to all of life's questions is going to be Jesus. But in this case, it's really true, because that first question, does God really love me? The only answer is Jesus, because Well, we know from John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. John 3.16 and 17. Can't state it any better than that. But the point is that the incarnation, Jesus becoming one of us, living the life he lived, was the demonstration. And of course, 
in all of the life of Jesus, we see this. We see broken people, people who had no chance with God. And Jesus was offering them love and acceptance, inviting them into a life with him in the kingdom. People who were broken, a woman caught in adultery. It didn't matter. Time after time was proving this same point, that God loves all people. That's the answer to the first question. And then to the second question, what is God like? Well, the answer again is Jesus, because we read in John 14, 9, a very important verse in my view. In John 14, 9, it says, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And this came in response to Philip saying, Hey, Jesus, when are you going to show us what God the Father is like? When are you going to show us? And that's when he says, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So, for example, we read in Hebrews 1, Jesus is the exact representation of God. And then in Colossians 1, he is the image of the invisible God. So clearly, the Christ followers, the early followers, understood that Jesus was God. What is God like? God is like Jesus. There's only one answer to the question, what is God like? And that is Jesus. So with that in mind, I want to talk today about a couple of verses that I love. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. They're so wonderful, and I want to dig into them in light of those questions about the love of God. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 reads, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Such a beautiful passage, and there's a number of wonderful things there, but let me start right away with this image. So, in Hebrews 12, it begins, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. What does that refer to? Well, in chapter 11, the preceding chapter, the writer of Hebrews has been listing a number of the heroes of faith. Abraham and Moses and all these people that the readers would have known and said, look, they lived this exemplary life. And now these people of faith are like a crowd in a stadium, this great cloud of witnesses. And they're there in this stadium cheering for us. Because in the next part, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings closely and let us run with perseverance the race set before us. So clearly the author has this metaphor working about running a race, which would have been something they would have all have understood. Even back in that day, these kinds of competitions, races, were familiar to people. People would watch athletes compete. And so the idea is, here's the stadium filled with people. And the author of Hebrews is saying, the people in that stadium are the people who have gone on to glory, these heroes of the faith, and they're now cheering for you. That's the image, this great cloud of witnesses. And then he says in the second verse of Hebrew 12, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, looking to Jesus. I love this image of the cloud of witnesses. That's been something that I've thought a lot about in my life as a Christ follower. All of the men and women who have gone before, not just the Bible characters, but people in Christian history who've been so important in my journey. 
from the early church fathers and mothers to St. Augustine, Bernard of Clairvaux, Teresa of Avila. There's so many of these men and women whose lives, whose writings have been an encouragement to me. And that's really important because I need people who can encourage me. And that's one of the great gifts is that we have all of this this great writing throughout the history of the church. We can read about these lives. Julian of Norwich, for example, her life was amazing, and her writings that we still have are encouraging. But here's the thing that I I find interesting. If you take this idea of the great cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 12.1, and then you get to Hebrews 12.2, and then it says, looking to Jesus, you have this idea that you got the crowd cheering for you. Imagine it's you in the race. But what is the writer saying to do? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your focus on Jesus. So I put those two together when it occurred to me that if you take this idea of this group of people cheering us on, encouraging us, and keeping our focus on Jesus, then that great cloud of witnesses would be people who remind us to keep our eyes on Christ. And when I discovered that, I went, oh, that's it exactly. The men and women who have encouraged me, most of them who've gone on to glory, but even living ones, are the ones who had the ability to help me keep my focus on Jesus. Cheering for me, to be sure, but basically saying in so many different ways, keep your focus on Jesus. A person who entered into my great cloud of witnesses that it was very unexpected is a man known as St. Alphonsus of Liguri. St. Alphonsus Liguri was a 17th century Italian Catholic priest, eventually a bishop, an amazing writer. And I stumbled onto his writings when I was at the Catholic Retreat Center. And in this room, my little cell, as they call them, in this room, the only literature they had in there was some writings of Alphonsus Liguri. And I didn't know who he was. I was fascinated to find out that he would have been a contemporary of John Wesley, who is another one of those people in my great cloud of witnesses. I mean, they lived almost exactly the same time frame. Didn't know each other because one was in England, one was in Italy. But nonetheless, as I began to discover him, he became a person who helps me keep my focus on Jesus. His story's interesting. He grew up um, a very scrupulous person. A scrupulous person is somebody who really focuses on their own sin and, you know, is trying to do everything right. And he was a lawyer who was striving for perfection all the time. And supposedly, he started as a lawyer, believe it or not, when he was like 16 years old. And uh, he never lost a case for like eight years. And then he lost a case and he just turned in on himself and he had this, this downward spiral, we would say, fell into melancholia or depression. And out of that, he had this incredible encounter with God. And he had viewed God as an angry judge. And after this experience of connecting to God, his image of God was converted. Father Michael Braille put it this way, who understands his life really well, said, Alphonsus' image of God was converted from that of judge into an image of God as friend and Savior. And that experience of 
the love of God transformed his life, and he began to write about it and teach about it and preach about it. And one of his favorite verses was from Job 7.17, which reads, What are human beings that you make so much of them that you set your heart on them? That, that was that fundamental question. God, why do you love people so much? Given all of our brokenness and sinfulness, what are human beings that you care so much for them that you would set your heart on them? And for Alphonsus, it was, once again, Jesus. That was where he came to understand the incredible love of God. And he went so far as to say some really outrageous things that just blew my mind when I, when I first read them. I want to share a couple of quotes from him. He said this, For God, heaven is the human heart. It's not all about us trying to get up there. It's all about God knocking himself out trying to get in here, into the human heart. The paradise of God is the heart of man. Whoa! Mind-blowing narrative there. The paradise of God, heaven for God, is the human heart. God so loves us and longs to be with us that the thing God most desires in the world, the God who created all the galaxies, the, the Grand Canyon, the God who did all of these amazing things and can do anything, that same God, paradise, heaven, the deepest desire is to be in our heart. I mean, when I read that, I thought, oh my goodness, there you go. That is amazing. Here's another quote from Alphonsus Liguri. God is infinite majesty but at the same time, infinite goodness, infinite love. In God, you possess the Lord most exalted and supreme, but you also have him who loves you with the greatest possible love. Oh, do you see how he puts those things together? God is infinite majesty, the highest glory, the highest power, the most exalted and supreme, but God is also the one who loves you with the greatest possible love. Once again, he was one of those great cloud of witnesses, these people who reminded me to keep my eyes on God, who answers that first question, does God really love me? Here's one more quote. Consider, you have no friend, nor brother, nor father, nor mother, nor spouse, nor lover, who loves you more than your God. Wow. Now, once again, you say, well, okay, Alphonse, how do you know this? How do you know this? Back to the point. The answer is Jesus. This is what he says. God went so far to enter into our hearts. He went so far as to become an infant, to become poor, even so far as openly to die the death of a criminal on the cross. He went yet further even to hide himself under the appearance of bread in order to become our constant companion. In a word, he loves you as much as though he had no love, but towards yourself alone. Again, the answer is Jesus. How do you know? Because God went so far as to become an infant. See, now, I, I think about this, like the Trinity deciding, okay, we, this didn't really work with the, uh, creating the people of Israel and giving them the law and sending them the prophets, they, those just didn't work. It didn't do what we wanted to do. 
what's the plan now? Well, let's have one, let's have us enter into the human life. And if you were going to do that, how would you do it? Well, I would think you would enter into life as an adult, not a baby. And you'd enter into the human realm in some powerful family with riches and might and power. No, God says, let's, let's do it this way. Let's actually become a baby, the most dependent of all living creatures. Let's, let's do that. And let's do this in this little backwater town in a family that's just above the poverty line. Let's go that route. And then how are we going to show the world that we love them? Well, how about this one? Let's, let's actually die the death of a criminal. Really? Yeah, because that, that, will, that will shock the world. That will show the world how much that back to, for God so loved the world. That will be the indelible proof. And of course it is. To this day, the cross is the most recognized symbol in the world. Because when we look at the cross and think, the God of the universe died on that for me. That's why it's such a powerful symbol. In a word, he loves you as much as though he had no love but towards yourself alone. Man, no man, this guy, this guy, when I read him, helps me put my eyes on Jesus. When I read him, he's one of the great cloud of witnesses. He's cheering me on. I hope he's cheering you on today. I hope as you're listening, you're hearing his words. And even though he's gone on to glory centuries ago, that you can sense he's cheering for me. He's reminding me that God loves me without condition and that the answer to everything is Jesus and encouraging me to keep my eyes focused on Jesus. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I hope you join me next time. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast. And if you'd like to donate to the Things Above podcast, you can do so on our website, apprenticeinstitute.org. Click the Donate Now button at the top of the page. It's really easy, and it would mean a lot to me. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, What's on your mind? Your answer will be things above. <laughs>